Welcome to TAC Talks, a podcast where we unpack the standards for registered training organisations to provide practical information to support business improvement and compliance practices. I'm Mel Hartley from the Training Accreditation Council, or TAC, and today I'm joined by Claire Werner, one of our TAC auditors. Claire is an expert in the field of training and assessment and the standards for RTOs. Today, she will help us navigate the topic of where units fit into the Australian Qualifications Framework. Claire, I remember that prior to 2012, units of competency were aligned to an AQF level. It was easy to tell what level a unit was aligned to based on the unit of competency code. Units are no longer aligned to an AQF level. So how does an RTO determine the level of complexity for that unit? This is a really great, great question, Meryl, because it um, highlights a common misconception that we have in our sector. So units of competency have actually never been aligned to an AQF level. The AQF has always been about the qualifications. And if you think back to when the AQF was actually introduced, there was no such thing as a skill set. When students enrolled, they enrolled in full qualifications. So we didn't enrol in units. The qualification was the currency of our sector. So the AQF level describes the outcomes that you can be or that you can expect from a qualification. And for the VET sectors, well, in fact, all sectors, it's the combination of units that are included in the qualification that actually give you the outcome level. All sectors use some form of coding system to give you an indication of what makes up that qualification. So that includes like how many units are required for the course, um, the depth and complexity of the learning. So the coding sits at qualification level and uh, it can sit at unit level in the VET sector. What that code used to tell us was the level of qualification where that unit first appeared. So it was still about the qualification. So this was important because um, prior to the second edition of the AQF in 2011, the AQF didn't have consistent descriptors across all qualification levels. And knowing that meant that knowing where a unit first appeared helped us to understand what kind of outcomes were expected. So we would see a number in the unit code that gave us that clue. In 2012, when the new version of the AQF was implemented, we did have consistent descriptors across all of the qualifications. That meant that when the units were developed or revised as part of the training package development process, developers had clear and consistent guidelines about the language to use in the units and the whole need for a clue disappeared. So some training package developers have kept the clue, others have removed it. Now when we look at the units, we should be using the information and the language in the units to understand its complexity. Sometimes that's really easy because the verbs used make it really clear. So for an example, you might say or you might read follow OHS procedures or assist in organising a meeting. You might also see something like analyse OHS information to determine system improvements or evaluate satisfaction data to determine changes required to an operational process. So those verbs follow and assist require really different types of outcomes to the verbs analyse and evaluate follow and assist are far less complex and so we really need to pay attention to what the unit is asking for as an outcome. 
There are other parts of the units that also help us to understand the complexity that's required. So you think, for example, of doing a task as part of a team as opposed to doing it by yourself, Mel. Think about uh, following set procedures as opposed to needing to react and adapt to changing situations. Think about the level of autonomy in a job. The complexity and depth of knowledge that you require in those situations are all very different. These things are often expressed in the application of the unit, in the performance evidence and in the assessment conditions. So all of these things are then confirmed by our engagement with industry. So fully unpacking and understanding the unit requirements in the context of the workplace is how we determine what the level of complexity is. Thank you for that, Claire. That really does help in understanding how the levels work. Interestingly, I have come across many units that can be delivered across a wide range of AQF levels. Where this happens, do I make the training and assessment harder or easier to suit the level of the qualification that the unit is included in? Another great question, Mel, and it's a very common one that we hear. In fact, it's probably the most common question that we hear about the AQF. And I have a short answer for you and a long answer for you. So the short answer is, no, you don't. You teach the unit exactly as it is written. And the long answer to explain that a little further is that when you think about what we uh, have already discussed and how the AQF works, it's the combination of outcomes um, from the units in the qualification that actually give you that outcome. So the unit is a unique entity and it is looked at exactly as it is written. So the training package developers have expressed in that unit the work outcome that industry wants and that industry has endorsed. So when a unit appears in multiple qualifications, it's because that's the work outcome that is needed. If a more complex work outcome was needed, then the training package developers would have written another unit that was more complex. So we do not change the level of the units. So let's think about it from another perspective as well. We think about it from the principles of assessment and the rules of evidence. Changing a unit to make it harder or easier actually compromises many of those principles of assessment and rules of evidence. So validity, for example. Validity, we ask the question, does the assessment process assess what it's supposed to? The unit. The answer would be no, because you've actually adjusted the outcome of the unit. Same with reliability. Does the assessment process assure that we make consistent assessment decisions? Again, the answer would be no, because you've adjusted the outcome of the unit. When we think about fairness, is the process fair for all the candidates? Again, the answer would be no, it isn't, because you've made some students demonstrate more or less than other students because you adjusted the outcome of the unit. Go to the rules of evidence and think about sufficiency. Is the student providing sufficient evidence to make a decision of competence against the unit? Again, no, because you've simplified the unit, there will definitely not be sufficient evidence to make your judgment. So it becomes really clear that you shouldn't change the outcomes of the unit. It compromises the quality of the teaching, learning and assessment process. Thank you, Claire. So what would you leave as a takeaway message for our listeners? 
Uh, well, I think the message for RTOs to hear is that the AQF is a really important aspect of our national training framework, and RTOs should work with the AQF, understand its purpose, and be true to that purpose when they're designing learning and assessment for units of competency. The unit of competency is our guide. Um, we unpack it, we understand it, and we confirm our understanding and uh, approach to training and assessment with industry through our engagement activities. Thank you for speaking with us today, Claire, and providing us with a deeper understanding of the topic. I just want to remind listeners that there is additional support material on this topic available on our website, tac.wa.gov.au, such as the fact sheet, the Australian Qualifications Framework and Units of Competency, and the User's Guide to the Standards for RTOs. You have been listening to TAC Torts with Mel and Claire on the topic of Do Units Have an AQF Level? We thank you very much for joining us.